Hello, my name is Britt Hicks, and this is another Exvangelical podcast. On this podcast, I interview people from all walks of life who in some way identify with the term Exvangelical. On that note, everyone has their own personal story, their own vocabulary. Uh, When listening to this podcast, there may be things that you agree with and things that you don't agree with. And I invite you to just to sit and hold space for the person that you're listening to. So this week on another Exvangelical podcast, we have Marissa Prince and Calvin D. Lee with us. Hello. Hello. How are y'all? It's Doing really well. good to see y'all again. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. And so this is our first time interviewing two people. So this is going to be fun. Well, at least yeah. we're on Zoom. So, yes. you know, we can, we can get those facial cues. Calvin, you want to go first? No, please start us off. Go ahead, Marissa. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so yeah, my name is Marissa Prince. Um, and uh, I feel like I've had a bunch of jobs and careers over my lifetime but uh I guess through all of them I figured out that I'm a builder and uh I'm a producer that's that's how the building usually sort of manifests producing content but um the truth is I've been sort of creating initiatives or things that I believe needed to happen ever since I was a little girl and so um, yeah, now that I'm an adult, I figured out like, oh, okay, that, that's kind of in my DNA that like where there's a need or where like something should be, I'm usually one of the first ones to raise my hand to say like, we could do it. And so, um, you got that I'm a builder, I'm a woman of faith. And so, uh, these days I'm building things that, uh, have sort of faith and justice at their center. And, um, I'm kind of, I'm going to, I know I'm going to regret this, but like along those lines of building and faith and like what can be, I'm kind of down for whatever. So like, that's, that's just kind of who I am. I'm, I'm open to build things that should exist. uh, Especially those things that it seems like my faith is advocating for. So that's a bit of who I am. Yeah. Nice. And yes, my name is Calvin Lee, and I am a second generation Korean American man, uh, and my pronouns are he and his. And I share that because, you know, kind of sharing who I am, I am someone who has just quite frankly been on some kind of journey of trying to understand who I am, what it means to be a believer in this moment in time, what it means to be part of this, this larger body in this moment in time and trying to just like figure out, Lord, what do you want from us? No day is ever promised. We are here on purpose. So Lord, if I'm here, if I'm breathing on this planet right now for on purpose, then like, why, why Lord? And so I feel like that's kind of at the center of really who I am. Um, You know, I think especially over the past few years, during my time with Marissa, especially, I've um, been compelled by this, this idea of, of a radical togetherness. But really, you know, that's just it's really just Jesus's prayer in John 17. It's like, body be one. 
and like what would it look like for the body to be one and really unified as as the father is one with the son and so yeah i think i'm i'm very much compelled by that you know marissa shared she's a builder i i am you know i think i'll i'll, I'll also i'll say i'm a builder but you know even more so i would say kind of like organizer i think this idea of how can we bring the people the resources the like ideas all of it together to like so we can collectively get to a new place and so i think you know who i am i'm 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 someone who believes that like all things are possible. Um, I'm someone who's riding this journey out with my sister here, Marissa, <laughs> and we're we're just trying to be open and available to like what God is doing and what He's. You know what? I'm sorry. I'm I'm trying to actually continue to catch myself instead of He. What God like what they are doing and what they are inviting us into now. So that's awesome. kind of who I am. Yeah. I didn't know Calvin was a preacher. Oh no! Great, you, you're, you're gonna have to tell me to shut up at some point. When I'm I, wanted, too I much. wanted to get the organ in and like do a little. Da, 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 da. <laughs> so it's the cue to wrap it up, <laughs> like the Oscars. Um, so this is an evangelical podcast. What is y'all's relationship or understanding, or do y'all identify as evangelical? What's your relationship with that word and understanding? Well, so yeah, I, uh, I grew up, uh, I grew up in a black Baptist church and then, um, early on, I sensed that there were some issues there and I kind of remember telling my mother, like, I think it's time for us to go. And several years after that, we made our way to a non-denominational black church and then when I went away to college and film school and on whatever, I sort of found my way to churches that in retrospect, I realized are evangelical churches. Mm. And um, at the time, you know, coming out of this like non-denominational thing, it was all just like, yeah, like you, you find these people and sure, the more diverse, the better. But like, as long as like, we're all loving Jesus, it's like a thing. Like that's sort of what it was for me up till 2016. And uh, in retrospect, I realized, yeah, in the Black Baptist Church and the Black non-denominational church, they were definitely evangelicals. They were definitely conservative leaning. And um, that's probably part of the reason why I always felt a little on the outs. Now, yeah, I guess I have embraced that ex-evangelical, even though like I never thought I was. Mm -hmm. But like you look around at the landscape, you assess post 2016 you realize oh snap <laughs> okay so like there was just a lot that wasn't being said um and you realize since then like oh okay so if in these spaces it's kind of not okay for those who aren't uh you know conservatives to say much if it's kind of not okay for you to say like well like you know like like what's wrong with lgbtqia folks like getting married here if it's not okay to do those things yeah all right then it this is this is not a progressive environment and so yeah i'm i can't kind of be any place that feels like to me not a representation of like the wide body of the church so yeah i guess like de facto i i guess that ain't me anymore so uh, I've stepped outside of evangelical church settings 
and uh, I'm moving with Jesus and open and flowing wherever I sense Jesus leading. But yeah, definitely is not in most evangelical spaces, if any. Yeah, I remember a church that I went to in San Antonio and it was it was diverse and they were very proud about being diverse. But the straight white pastor from the pulpit would say, now we don't talk about issues here. We don't basically we don't care about issues and we don't you know talk about politics. Well, because you're a man of great, you know, you, you have all the everything that you need. So we're not going to talk about the things that matter to people out in the congregation but yeah, you just, but you go to church and afterwards you're like, man, I feel good. Like, I feel really good about myself, you know, and if I just believe it, it's going to happen. Um, what about you, Calvin? Yeah, similarly to Marissa, I think, you know, born and raised in a faith context, both my parents were were strong believers and kind of born and raised in the New England area. So yeah, like b- born and raised in church and in, though I would have never identified as such during the time. In retrospect, those were mostly evangelical churches. Um, and yeah, it was like, I had a pretty good youth group resume, like led worship because I could play G, D, E minor, C. Mm-hmm. I could play those four chords, which means you can play most worship songs. Yeah. Like, you know, you can, you know, you're part of youth group, you're serving, you're you're doing the stuff. Um, and so, yeah, that, that was very much how I was raised and brought up into. I think my journey because like marissa i you know wherever i was back then evangelical is definitely not how i'm identifying now um and i think a lot of that has come to quite frankly it's interesting that you brought up even what that pastor said like we're not going to talk about blank Mm -hmm. and i think that was actually very difficult for me in my relationship with like the broader evangelical church being born and raised in something, there were things, especially over the past couple of years that we encountered, um, you know, even like we, for our film, Are We There Yet? Or, um, we went to Standing Rock Reservation to talk to various indigenous faith leaders, as well as, you know, black and Asian um, voices of faith. And like one of the things we came across uh, was Doctrine of Discovery, this this like big point in church history, you know, our origin story as the body that I had never encountered, never came across, like that was never mentioned. Mm. And so this idea that like, okay, I was, I've been born and raised in this thing, but I don't even really know who we are. And I think, I think that was extremely challenging knowing like, okay, especially because I was starting to connect some dots that like doctrine of discovering what we saw happen in Jan 6, what we're seeing now, like Christian national, like there are dots to be connected here. Mm-hmm. And if we ever want, like, if we wanted to move to a new place, then it feels like, yes, naturally, we would want to be honest, reflect on where we've been in order to find a new way forward. But I think even just the, honestly, I think I was frustrated, kind of like deeply saddened because does them not want, does us, you know, I'm going to say, does us not wanting to go back mean that we may not actually want to go forward? Mm-hmm. Because like, if I wanted to go forward bad enough, then like everything's on the table. I want to be like, what do I need to grapple with in order to get there? But anyways, yeah, uh, I think this this idea of like, where, where were we throughout these times in history? Where was the church? 
And then again, like as I'm connecting dots to what we're seeing now, like the ways the evangelical church is just showing up in the world now, what I read in scripture, what it feels like this faith, this Jesus life compels you to like how it compels you to show up in the world. There's just things that are not reconciling for me. Yeah. And like, because of that, like, you know, it's actually been really challenging because of the church, you know, the kind of captivation with the church unity stuff but like something that i've actually been starting to learn is we have used the unity card right in order to keep people captive and in order to keep us from getting to a new place so like i don't know if it's actually helpful or like honest even to like continue to stay in the evangelical camp and being like unwilling to move because like hey like for the sake of the unity of the church right I think actually it's kind of come to a season where maybe the invitation was to be bold and actually step out of spaces. Like it's okay. There is grace there and you are on your journey, but I know where I am at in my Mm -hmm. journey. I feel like I know what God's telling me and how, you know, how God is asking me to live, you know, and, and lean into this faith. And I feel like for me, that has that journey and what that has led to has kind of led me beyond evangelical spaces, traditional evangelical spaces. Yeah. I think the most dangerous thing that the three of us, and I, I'm just making an assumption had that we did is that we read the Bible. We read it cover to cover. We read the words of Jesus mm-hmm. and we said, hold up, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not doing what Jesus said to do. Like what's well, it, it was so there were so many contradictions within um mm. or are so many contradictions with the evangelical church within christian nationalism um how do y'all feel so this is a question that i've been asking and it's kind of shocked me the the question or the answers that i've been getting the word evangelical do you think that is something that could be redeemed or do we need to come up with something fresh and new or does it even matter You know, okay. Um, When I think evangelical and I try to separate it from the sort of politicized thing that is now, you know, I'm going back to the root, like, you know, to evangelize, to let Mm -hmm. people know about Jesus, to sort of share the love of God. The reason why I left Campus Crusade (laughs) in college was because apparently the only way to evangelize at least then in those spaces under that guise was you know you got your tracks you got the like you know Mm -hmm. five laws and you're like going out and you know and so you can have people who really enjoy going out in public and talking to strangers or randos and handing them tracks and trying to get them to repeat a prayer after them and those same people will not say hello to people in their own church. They mm-hmm. will not actually think that the people they're talking to have inherent value of their own. They yeah. won't even actually really stop to ask and find out, wait, so who, you as a person who I don't know, I just like ran up on in, in a park or in the street, like what matters to you? And like, what are your thoughts about the divine? Um, that that ain't happening when you got to get in and out like with your track. <laughs> so um, I personally feel like, this whole notion of what it means and what it looks like to live a spirit-filled life 
that like from the life that the spirit's giving calls onto other life. If we haven't figured out that like, you're not actually, you don't know anything about a person's walk or their faith or what they're coming with, unless you spend some time with people and you see something Mm -hmm. like, then I kind of don't have the patience for it anyway, because like enough talk, there's a lot of voices in our culture always have been, but even more so now, like everybody's talking all the time. I don't need no more talk. No one else does either. Now, do, do people need a living example of, of something that's from outside of our like darkness that can reach in and like dispel all sorts of stuff and bring hope and joy and peace and break bondage? Absolutely. But like, again, that, that ain't happening in your 10 minutes out talking to somebody mm-hmm. out out on the street. And uh, so I think this notion of what what a life is that invites other people into the truth of who God is and sort of allows people to see light beyond their darkness, like we got to figure out how to do that better. Mm -hmm. And now granted, like relationship is at the heart of that. We don't really do Mm -hmm. that all that well. Truth telling is at the heart of that. We definitely don't do that all that well. So yeah, I think the whole thing kind of needs to be rethought. Because if you spend any time with me, anytime you spend a day with me, you'll get to see what I value. You'll get to see how I flow and you'll get to see like where my strength comes from. I'm not interested in pulling anybody off the street and trying to get my points by trying to get somebody into, into heaven that day. That's, that ain't it. Um, especially, especially cause I, I know if I'm seeing you off the corner of my eye on a street, I most likely don't even, I haven't spent the time to even connect the dots to say, I probably love you. That mm-hmm. that, that love thing isn't anywhere near. Um, and so I, I'm just speaking for me. I'm not speaking for anybody else. Other people can be doing things with other motivations, but the commitment that I made personally to to truth and to the, the truth of my faith being seen through my life compels me to keep my mouth shut more than open it. Yeah, for me, I'll be honest, like, is this bad to say I, I don't really care? No, like, no, no, like no. okay, because, no. like, I think I definitely, I agree with Marissa in the sense, I think really where that question brings me to is just this idea of what evangelism means. It's a lot of it was just sharing the gospel. It was the ways that we, you know, live into the great commission. It's, you know, how it's again, part of how we're doing this Jesus life. I think we've done a whole lot of talking. Mm-hmm. I think actually the talking, that form of evangel, that was part of a playbook at a certain period of time that was implemented. Like when I think of evangel, like I am thinking about the cruise, like Billy Graham crusades. I'm thinking mm-hmm. about the big revival, to, you know, like that, that's what comes to mind. And that was a strategy that was a playbook. What I'm feeling really compelled by now is that, okay, like, Lord, I'm not trying to say that sharing, if the Lord told you to open your mouth and share with someone like John 16 and the story of the gospel, you should do that because God told you to say something. But I think that there has the ways that we kind of looked at uh, ministry and kind of evangelism, it, it's been very 
and very verbal and it's come from pulpits. And I think we're just at a point where if we're willing to be open and flexible and flow with the spirit, that it feels like part of the invitation for me at least is, is let's like say less, say less. I'm not a Gen Z, but I hear like Gen Z are saying like say less, right? So like, it feels by like how we move in the world, the things that we're willing to stand for, the things that we're willing to build, you know, build and fight for, the things that we're willing to do actually that requires nothing in return. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to show up for you because I, I see like you are a beloved creation of the like God of the universe. So I am like, I'm going to show up for you. I don't need you to believe what I believe. I don't need you to change. I don't need you to, I don't need nothing from you. I am doing this because of like this vertical relationship and how this vertical relationship compels me to show up with the horizontal ones. So quite frankly, if we can do that, y'all like we can keep evangelical. We can keep whatever, (laughs) like we can call whatever we want. You know, I also think though, if it really is about people and there are people telling you this term hurts. Yeah. And that there is a lot attached to it. I'm down to give it up. Yeah. Like, yeah. hey, like, what, what can, Lord, what can I put on the table? And what can I lay down so that we all can, like, we can live into that John 17 prayer? Yeah. Yeah. If, and I think what happens, because I was one of those two that would go out and evangelize, um, but you totally take the person's humanity away, right? Because you have this ulterior motive of, I just see you as a soul. I don't see you as anything else, but like, you know, Marissa was saying, you're just another, you know, notch on my belt, saved another one for heaven. Um, But once you get to learn and you get to know people, like with the work that y'all do, like you hear stories all the time and it's just, people are cool. People have cool stories. They've got cool personalities. Some people aren't so cool, but you know, it's, (laughs) it's just, it's part of the journey, right? Um, yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about what y'all do? (laughs) Maybe a project that y'all are working on if you want to, I don't know. Yeah, sure. Sure. Um, so Calvin and I, um, brief origin story. So we met, uh, five years ago on a Senate campaign. Um, and that Senate campaign ended in the primary. But uh, once that campaign ended, they, uh, the candidate felt like there was still sort of a desire in his heart to like declare something out into the world, mostly about like how the body should and could be together in, you know, a really polarizing time. And uh, there was sort of a desire in his heart to say something, but not really a clear vision of like where it could go. And Calvin and I sort of went away and prayed and came back with this vision of what we could do together. That turned into a two-year campaign called American Awakening. And we produced sort of all sorts of content um, with, you know, Christianity Today and uh, William Morris Endeavor, WME and Q. And like also we we, we sort of, we spent a lot of time in these very conservative um, white evangelical spaces trying to make appeals for you know how we should be better together 
And in that time, we realized, A, that we're kind of campaign people, and B, that um, our hearts are going way beyond white conservative evangelicalism. Cause like that ain't even us, right? Mm -hmm. So yeah. like, Lord God, thank you that my world is not only as big as like white conservative evangelicals. Cause I wouldn't even include me. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, Kelvin and I eventually um, founded something that's called gospel. And the idea behind gospel is that like the real good news is um, spirit led people of God making a difference in the earth today. Um, so yeah, the talk less, move more, in a spirit of truth, like that's kind of us. And so um, Calvin mentioned earlier, we made a film last year called Are We There Yet? Which was looking at the origins of Christian nationalism and how it does connect to, uh, you know, Jan 6th and immigration and all sorts mm -hmm. of things that we're seeing today that maybe a lot of people aren't making connections to. And um, Are We There Yet? took us to something called the Boston Activation Experience, where uh, we sort of organized folks across the city, um, believers to come together on the anniversary of the Jan 6 weekend to talk about Christian nationalism and what we could do to eradicate it. And also like what, what we could do in specific tangible areas of our, of our world to not only eradicate Christian nationalism, but to bring life and peace. Uh, and that sort of soon after that, this thing with guns sort of uh, bit us on the butt. And, you know, sure, it's because, you know, folk folk are dying. And like, mm -hmm. if you're not ignoring it, <laughs> it should be a problem. Right. Um, and that sort of um, we we sort of went on this journey, which is where we met you, Britt. Um, we went on this journey across the country, talking to Christians across a wide a uh, span of, I guess, beliefs and um, location and sort of, I don't know, perspectives. And we're talking about why, what our relationship is, the the relationship between believers and guns. We listened to a lot of people. We ended up sort of spending some time with some strategists. Um, we, like I said, we kind of had an inkling, we're campaign people. And um, now we're about to launch our biggest campaign to date, which is called Lay It Down. Mm. And it's a two-year campaign compelling American Christians to lay down a million guns. And uh, we're actually actually sort of announcing it sort of wide here for the first time, Britt. So you got that. Oh, yeah. Yay. Um, but <laughs> yeah, oh, no, thank you. Uh, thank yeah, you thank for you. your help in earlier stages. But yeah, we're we're just sort of compelled that like, if it's really true, that 54% of white evangelicals are owning guns in their home and 45% of even mainline white Christians not only are keeping guns in their homes, but like most of their close friends are keeping guns in their homes and everybody's excited about all their guns. Well, then like we realize maybe, A, how big a group of Christians there are that are owning guns. And again, the average gun owner in the country owns at least five guns. So like multiply however many Christians you think own guns by five and you got sort of our investment in the space. And you think about like, oh, okay, if that many people are owning guns and enjoying guns and buying more guns, now I get maybe why it's so hard to pass some legislation. Mm -hmm. now I get maybe why they're so rampant that um, every day, like we've all just gotten numb to this now. Like mm -hmm. I, I was hoping that like with the church school shooting, I, I was hoping like Christians would somehow, I don't know, something would have come close to home, didn't do it. Well, I think then 
we've got to go like we we've got to make an intentional step forward like thoughtful christians have got to say you know what we actually have a lot of skin in this gun game and if i'm really thinking about my savior who i espouse if i'm really thinking about like what a god kind of life could look like well that means that like people would have the opportunity to live long enough to maybe discover god mm-hmm. and not get mowed down by by the toys and trinkets that for whatever reason i'm deeply enjoying um christians if you love god and you are collecting guns it's time to have a conversation about that cuz the freedom that allows you to collect your guns allows other people to own their guns and mow down all sorts of people who have not had an opportunity to have an encounter that could change their lives with God. So yeah, lay it down. That's kind of our new thing. I'm excited about that. Yeah. I'm really Calvin. excited about that. Yeah, enough said. I don't got, I don't got to add <laughs> nothing to that. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, yeah, that that whole conversation was really interesting too. And I know, you know, saying like Christians lay down your guns and then you have that, you know, the the comeback that's always, well, it's not the the guns that killed the people, it's the people that kill, you know, it's like, okay, but you know. If well, I found if I found out someone was going I don't know, I'm not even gonna throw it no. out there, but you know, it's just it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's stupid after a while. It's like you look at the, you can Google um, mass shootings and you can see that we have one every single day. It might not get publicized, but we have one, one or two every single day. Yeah. 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 And I mean, if you really do follow that thread and you do believe, yes, yeah, not guns who kill people, it's people who kill people, fine. So then that means when you look at how sort of sick our world is, apparently we can't handle mm-hmm the guts mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it's, yeah you're you're right inanimate objects are not killing people of their own accord point taken but the people who have the guns can't handle them enough to allow human life to to flourish so people of god if we own a whole bunch of them what are we going to do about it because yeah less talk more action mm-hmm. what's the time to do now people of god we yeah, got to chew I mean- on that I mean, does that even connect with that that whole like if if there's a stumbling block for your brother, you know, like lay that ish down. It, it, right. It's not saying that that thing is bad or you couldn't eat that or you couldn't do that. But if it is causing your sibling in faith to stumble at all, then like gladly put it down. Put That's it right. down. You have the freedom to do something. That doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so church, especially evangelicals who are lamenting the witness of the church and sort of people falling away and what's the, you know, blah, blah, blah. Hey, y'all really care about the witness of the church? Y'all really want to show another side of the church that might show some power, that might show some leadership, that might end up on the news for a good reason? Well, then, hey. Come through. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Come through. And And it makes... Sorry, no, I was ahead, just going to say, it just reminds me of that church that I told you about. He had an entourage that had guns. Like, mm. why do our pastors need to be armed, like have armed people around them? Well, and they're not preaching like anything radical. They're just preaching the same bullshit. You know, it's yeah. just, it's nothing like, yeah. I don't know. What were you going to say, Calvin? Oh, no, I, I was going to say, I mean, even as Marissa mentioned, like decide the witness, right. And because this is audio, you can't see that I'm doing hard 
finger quotes around a witness. <laughs> but I mean, even from that vantage point, like the world is clear where American Christians stand with their our guns. Like that is actually that is the baseline, or that is where we are now. So if anything, like, could we also expand our our imagination enough? To, to see like, Lord, are there ways to even disrupt that? Like what if, if the world knows that we show up, like we kind of show up a certain way, but then if there is like a fresh invitation to, to flip that on its head and be like, no, I will lay that. That would probably, if, if I was not a believer, that would at least raise some questions. Yeah. Like, I wonder why, like what changed? What changed? Yeah. Yeah, there's other issues that they grab onto that mean nothing, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have Flamey Grant, who's, you know, a drag queen Christian and, you know, an evangelical called her out and said, no one listens to you. And then she hit number one on the, you know, uh, Christian charts, <laughs> you know, and it's like if you had that same guy um, say something about like, you know, we need to lay our guns down, which the heavens would split open if he did people would they would be running to lay their guns down possibly i don't know um but it's it's interesting the things that people or when i say people evangelicals seem to raise an issue for things that don't really matter you know things yeah. that it's like what you're this is what you're choosing to you know complain about um so we were talking yeah. about like christian nationalism um when when was the first time that you were kind of introduced to that term or like that realization, right? Because I'm sure then you looked back and you went, oh, that's what that was that whole time. <laughs> like I kept saying all the churches that I went to, um, I thought I was going to a better place, but it was all the same. And I said, I would say it was vanilla, right? Like one would be like maybe vanilla bean, one would be you know, French vanilla, but it was all vanilla. Yeah. And then when I learned Christian nationalism, I'm like, oh, that's that's the flavor. And it's yucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, Again, when did I first encounter it? I think I first encountered it probably like the way most people do, or at least I'll say this, because I'll speak from my, my vantage point is as a Black woman who has wrestled with issues of race and class and power and justice her whole life, but had worked through enough to be forgiving enough to think that she could be a member of an evangelical church. Mm -hmm. Okay. So from that vantage point, when I first encountered it, it was probably just the same way people like me encounter it, which is like, you're probably in a conversation in passing at like the coffee bar, like outside the sanctuary. And like somebody said something about like, you know, I, I, again, this is a Christian nation. And like, you know, people like me, like, like you hear that and you're like, wait, do you mean like right now? You mean like back in the day? <laughs> you mean like, what, what is that? What does that kind of mean to you? You know? Um, and when you kind of press into that, there's like either a, a quick conversation change or, or there's like a, wait, what, what do you mean? You don't think this is a Christian <laughs> Like what, I mean, I'm standing here in church. What, what do you, you know? And so like, I think to me, it was always because in those spaces, you're not having full-fledged conversations about truth, about sort of the faith and justice and all the, all the ish that is like wound up in and around all of us. It's, it's in passing. 
And it's the, you know, the sort of, I guess, like verbal microaggressions mm -hmm. that, you know, are, are not even, are not even necessarily intended to be pointed at you, but things are said just with, with such like, of course, uh, right, of course yeah. things are the way they are. And, and you realize that the person that you're talking to doesn't even realize that the experience you're having sitting right next to them in that sanctuary is entirely different than the American experience they're encountering. So I think that's that's how I first um, sort of picked up on stuff. And, you know, as a person of color in evangelical spaces, that stuff builds. Mm -hmm. You have a decision to make, right? You're, you're like, okay, am I going to keep serving on this team? <laughs> keep showing up and keep spending my day when like, Lord God, like all this stuff, like when is enough enough? You know, I mean, you, like you get to the point where you're like, I wish it could just be about Jesus. Right. Saying, like, yeah. I wish it could just be about Jesus. Um, but yeah, I think that's when I encountered it. It's, you know, what from out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks mm -hmm. like yeah, dealing with folk. That's when I encountered it. I read um, or listened to on audible. My body is not a prayer request which is a really great book. I would recommend mm -hmm. it 100%. It's about uh, disability theology, pretty much. But she talks about microaggressions, right? She's like, maybe one a day is like a mosquito bite. But when you get bit a ton, like going to church and you have all these little microaggressions, like it's just like you're covered in welts. Mm -hmm. And you finally have to get to a place where you're like, okay, can I stay here? Because this isn't working out. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think, I think you get to the place if you're being honest about your faith, where you're like, okay, Lord, I know that there is probably pressure for me to stay here and continue putting quarters into this machine and continue supporting. And if I don't serve, well then, you know, okay, so then then there won't be leadership on the team. And uh, But like, you get to the point where you're like, wait, Lord, are you, am I having this experience and talking to you because you're, you're, you're challenging me to actually go deeper? That, mm -hmm. that that to question, to process, to push, to to leave, and not just to like do it, but to actually like, I don't know, use it to funnel a place to go, a thing to do, a thing to push for in, in the church. Is that the imitation that comes, you know, from being sort of faced with this rather than making it like a personal thing. And then mm -hmm. I go through my thing and then I leave and I shrink back. No, no, no. Lord, what are you inviting me to sort of lean into and press against on behalf of the body and the kingdom? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, my first significant encounter with Christian nationalism, and again, I don't think I could have in the same way that I was describing my experience as an evangelical to, you know, an ex-evangelical, I don't know if I would have named it as Christian nationalism then, but I spent some time in my 20s in D.C., with the organization that hosts the National Prayer Breakfast, um, mm -hmm. also known as like the Fellowship Foundation, International Foundation. I'll be honest, I recommend you don't look them up because it's <laughs> not going to sound good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I like I want to preempt this. I was grateful, really grateful for that experience. It was formative in a lot of ways. Um, good and bad. Formative. And, and there has been a lot of work, I think, in trying to unpack some of the ways that actually maybe it wasn't as, as healthy. But, you know, just to, for those who don't know, the National Prayer Breakfast is this event that's held in D.C. that gathers kind of world leaders 
um, usually from kind of political or like business spaces. And then the idea is just very much like building relationship. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I met a lot of wonderful, I met a lot of wonderful people who, yeah, of course I can't know for sure, but like, I believe them that they, they love Jesus and were trying to do their best to show in a way that was honoring to God, um, in, in where they was, they were placed mm. at that time. Um, but, and again, this isn't until after I left, but I guess like what, anytime you get into a place where like power and control, especially like political power, and then like faith are in that close proximity, like it gets real messy. Mm-hmm. And there is, there's probably like a whole lot of stuff that you have to check like in yourself in order to kind of like flow in that space in a healthy way that, yeah, I think, I think it was just, there's innate difficulty that kind of shows that appears when you're, you're operating at that intersection. But for me, I mean, this was, it was, it was like a lot of older, it was like, and again, that's, I'm like, this is tough. Cause I, I really care about those guys in some ways. But like it's old, it's like old white, old white money, mm-hmm. and like old white building, you know, like I like that was the first time I think I encountered like American Christianity actually, because mm-hmm. up until that, you know, and actually I didn't put these dots up until that point for me, a lot of my faith experience it was like Korean American church, you know, like like I was looking, these are where my yellow brothers and sisters are at, you know, like this is this was a place where. Where again, it wasn't it wasn't white, it was Christian, whatever that meant, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. there wasn't enough work done at that point to understand that Christian had whiteness like baked into it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think this was the first time where like you're seeing Jesus next to like American flags and like eagle statues, you know, bald eagle statues. And and yeah, I think again, I've had to do a lot of work of I think unpacking that experience processing that experience again lord what are the things that like you I encountered there that you want me to hold on to mm. what did you show me on purpose and what are the things that actually like I want to let go of and like lord set me free from some of this stuff and uh and yeah, but I think that 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 kind of year I spent in DC with this organization that hosted that event that that might have been my first real encounter with like American Christianity, and then like again by extension American Christian nationalism. Um, these these narratives that this is a this is a Christian nation, and that we need to like fight to make it so mm-hmm. and preserve that legacy, and like quite frankly, the ideas and opinions of anyone who doesn't agree with that doesn't really matter. Like this, this is our play and this is what we're doing. And so, yeah, again, I'm not saying everyone in there is Christian, a Christian nationalist and all that stuff, but I think like it is very difficult to separate Christian Mm -hmm. nationalism from even some of the, the kind of vision or ways of operating within that space. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like a fusion, right? Like you have two of your favorite things, possibly, right? You love America, you love Chris, you know, you love God. So you marry the two and you're like, oh my God, like it's, you know, like Indo 
the Chinese they are like, this is amazing. But it's like, no, you still got to keep the two separated. Yeah. Um, and now when I go to a church and I see an American flag, I'm like, <laughs> and, yeah. and the Christian flag, I'm like, no, get it out of here. <laughs> but some congregants are, you know, so hell bent on keeping their flags in there. Um, well, because they're hell bent on keeping their power, right? That's Which true. Is, that's you know, true. Like, it's usually the old white guy that's mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to keep the flag in here. You know, I mean, that, now, like, it's it's interesting. I guess, like, it, this just came back to me. I sort of remember this, but I never connect this to the Christian nationalism stuff. But, like, in, in eighth grade, I was in a New England private school. And in eighth grade, it was taught by this, like, really old, short woman with white hair. And I remember she came into class one day. And it was a small class. And, like, we all knew each other. She came into class one day. And she was, like, shaking. And everybody was like, what, what, what's wrong with her? And the first thing out of her mouth was like, can you believe that in a, in a few years, white people will not be the majority in this country? And I guess she just said <laughs> it for the first time. And it, it, it shook her to her core. Yeah. Like, New England private school. So me, one black girl, there was only other one black guy in, in the class. And we looked at each other and just started like laughing hysterically because like, you know, okay, like I, 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 that don't scare me, lady. Um, but this this notion that like, yeah, she was probably a Christian. And this idea of population was a direct affront to her power. And it shook her to her core so much, she couldn't even separate whatever was going on with her personally from like whatever was going on with her professionally. And when she came into the classroom, she felt the need to like broadcast this fear to try to like, so that the other little white kids could understand they should be afraid too. <laughs> and like, you know, yeah, yeah that's- uh, Be fruitful and multiply, but only for the, the white. And that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother rabbit hole we could go down, right? Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much. I feel like we could just start our own podcast, the three of us. <laughs> there's there's know, like so many it. other like questions that I'm like, oh, we could go down there. Um, don't tempt that, us, Britt. Don't tempt us. I was us, right? like, don't play, Britt. Don't play. That's right. Yes. Because I'm, I am, I'm curious of so many things. Like I'm, exp- I'm curious of Marissa's experience in the churches and how people look at that and how, because, um, at that same church that I went to, I had a friend that was a person of color. And I remember we were walking by somebody and he said something and she goes, ah, oh, there you go. Sounding like our founding fathers. I'm like, I wonder what she means by that. Cause I was still very like, you know, in my own mindset. And so she would always say things that would kind of get me to go, what, what? And then also like super interested in the Korean American church. Cause only the only thing I know is what I see on TV, right. That it's very strict and very like, you don't mess with the moms. No. <laughs> um, but the hour goes by so fast. We have about 12 minutes left. Oh, wow. Um, so we can definitely do a part two or we can start up whatever. I I just really enjoy talking to y'all. Um, and Calvin already kind of went into this question, which is what would you take away from that previous life? What is something that you still hold dear from back then? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Did, did you mean that for, for Calvin? No, for, for no, both of y'all. No, yeah. No. Um, I have to say, uh, again, it's, 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 it's interesting, right? Because the Holy Spirit is real and present and working and flowing even through the most jacked up situations. So like, it was a beautiful thing that it was that I caught on early on, like, wow, 
every one of us is supposed to be together. Now, like whether folks were flowing in that in these churches was like a different thing. Although I did end up in churches where they would always talk about like, we we prayed for diversity, which like, all right, great. Like, yeah, like the, <laughs> like we are supposed to be together. And that I'm, I'm glad that I got that there, regardless of if they believed it. I, I also, I mean, I, what has been really powerful to me in my last experience at, at the evangelical, at an evangelical church was, was like the notion of just how this church was able to mount up and do things that were bigger than like what they knew mm. by faith. This idea of push, pray, pioneer, which like I was built for, I told you at the top, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a builder. So like, you know, like, like you let me see how like something can come together. You, you let me like, see how something can, can work. I'm going to take it and I'm going to run with it. And that has actually helped my work in this space and in other spaces long after I left that place. And I'll take it till the day I die. Um, and so, yeah, I'm thankful for those experiences that God allowed me to have while also God allowing me to say, lady, I love you. Use the brain I gave you and the heart <laughs> I gave you to, to, to learn the good stuff and let the other stuff go, you know? Love it. I think for me, yeah, coming out of, I mean, especially that experience with the Fellowship Foundation, I think what I did walk away was, like, it was, I mean, I guess it's not even just that experience, even with American Awakening, right, Marissa? It was like the resources, the networks, the the like stuff in place was, is incredible. Like we can, t real talk, there was enough infrastructure, resources, organization and stuff to put, you can put someone in the Oval Office, apparently. Mm -hmm. Like we, the body, you can we can significantly impact things at a level where you can put someone in that office. So like, okay, Lord, it's not, we ain't lacking money. Mm -hmm. We got cash. There are people out there. There, there are ideas. We have what we need. Now, if we're willing, like, Lord, show us what to do with what you placed in our hands. Um, and not my will be done, but yours. Yeah. Okay, Lord, where are we going with all this? And like, what I'm walking away with is it is possible. Mm -hmm. We don't like the home church movement is a beautiful thing and a necessary thing right now. But I don't know if that just means like, okay, we all just hang out in like our separate living rooms. On, and like, we never move together as the body. Mm -hmm. I think there is something that like, okay. I look at them and I see that kind of organization, that kind of infrastructure, that kind of support of people, even like us who are, who are trying to do this work, especially on like a prophetic side where you're pushing for things, you're challenging, like no one wants to fund that work because that works uncomfortable. Like no one wants mm -hmm. that, but like it is necessary and it is good. So any, like all this set up to, to move something forward. I think I, I I got a glimpse of that in those worlds. Um, and I, hey, if they can do that. Like what could be possible here? Because they're like, we are not alone. The yeah. folks who are crying out for more are not, like, we here, 
we here. So what happens when like we can get our stuff together and move together? Yeah. So this last question, it's usually a two-parter, but I'm going to just make it one so y'all can answer it at the same time. Um, not at the same time, talking at the same time. Um, what is something that you would want to tell your younger self? And this could be from back in the day or five minutes ago. And what is something that you would want to tell somebody listening to the podcast? Um, I'd want to tell my younger self, don't worry, it's coming. Mm -hmm. uh, just, I mean, I left college after the second semester of my sophomore year because I couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. And I know I couldn't keep running through the hamster mill without like vision. So I left, did AmeriCorps for a year, was like building boardwalk in the Okefenokee Swamp. I just, I, I needed to do something <laughs> totally different. And in that time, I I had, you know, an encounter that changed my life, that gave me vision that we are now seeing come to fruition. And, you know, I, I don't care. I'll even date myself. That was in 1999, y'all. It is, it is 24 years later. And like, it is now, the pieces are now coming together to see that vision fulfilled. Yeah. If I were talking to little, little Riss, you know, 24 years ago, don't worry, lady. Trust God, keep asking questions, be bold and courageous, and it's coming. That was good. Um, I'll take that one. I would say... younger cow do you know who you are and not as a question of like you know you need to find out who you are it's more yeah do you know what lives on the inside of you for now i think there was a lot of fear just a lot of a lot of fear that the things on the, you know, the things that I felt were stirring me and moving me, the the ideas that I had, you know, who I was, the ways that I was like interacting with the world, you know, as, as this, you know, younger Korean guy. Yeah, I don't know. I think, again, perhaps for episode two of our podcast, you know, but <laughs> like a whole lot more there. But I think if I were going to say something like with with all that you could imagine that is in there, like, do you know who you are? Like, because God is, because God can say, I am, like, you are. And I think I would want to say, say something like that. Love it. What's something that y'all would want to tell somebody listening? I think Calvin hit on the first one, which was, you're not alone. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that, like, y'all there's a way more possible than you could like ever imagine and like your crazy impossible stirring vision that could only come from god because like won't nobody else co-sign it like <laughs> if you don't quit you win mm -hmm. mm -hmm. i'm a i'm gonna stop there because I, I i feel like i just keep battling <laughs> stuff on <laughs> 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 
Oh, I would say, I guess it's just pretty much picking that, like, God heard you. God hears your cries. Like, it's not on deaf ears. And because you're, like, it's time to go. You you ready to go? Because it's time. And so, like, when the invitation comes, like, body, we going to be ready. We're going to be ready. Like you said earlier, body be one. Mm-hmm. Amen. <laughs> like Amen. It. Well, Marissa and Calvin, it was such a pleasure. Thank y'all so much. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Take care. Yeah. Yes. 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 Now, Britt. Next week, we will be talking to my friend, the Reverend Chelsea McCutcheon, who is the lead pastor at Trinity United Church of Christ here in Austin, Texas. Tune in next week at on Thursday, and we will see you then. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on Instagram or on Facebook. You can find us at Another Exvangelical Podcast on all streaming platforms. You can also leave reviews on, I believe, any platform that you're listening to. I know you can on Spotify, but the best way to reach me is through facebook and instagram i would love to hear from y'all let me know what you want to hear in season two let me know what you liked what you didn't like um, what uh, was hard to digest in season one i really really would love to hear from y'all you can send me a private message or you can message under the uh the picture of the episode that you would like to comment on y'all take care Goodbye.